Welcome to the 22nd episode of Foam Talks. My name is Elisa Medde, I'm the editor-in-chief of Foam Magazine, and today I have the great pleasure to introduce you to a brand new episode of Foam Talks. To celebrate the 15th birthday of Foam Magazine's talent issues, me and my fellow editors will invite back some of the amazing artists we work with in the past and chat with them about their practice and current projects. Within this episode, my colleague Enji Badaro invited Brazilian artist Alice Quaresma, who was a foam talent in 2014. Enji and Alice, take it away. Hi, Alice. How are you? Hi, Enji. How are you? I'm, I'm good. Great. So good to be here with you today. Yes, I'm very delighted to have you. Um, so we are going to start, and I'd like to start with your involvement with FOAM. Um, you were selected as a FOAM talent some time ago, in 2014. I was wondering how this experience changed your work. Uh, do you consider FOAM talent to be a turning point of sorts, or how did it aid your development as an artist? Um. Great question. And uh, once again, so good to be here and um, be sharing a bit of this journey with all of you, and especially with the uh, phone um, viewers, I mean, not viewers, but listeners here in the podcast. So yes, uh, I was a talent in 2014. And uh, since then, it's been like um, a great thing for my work and for my, my research. Uh, just a little bit of a story before that, I was following phone, I think, for previously for four years. And I was so intrigued with their selection every year because it was always um, photographers that was really experimenting on bringing something new and fresh. And that's sort of my story with phone was before even I got selected because it really opened my eyes to how I could approach my own work. Um, and then uh, with, the, with the work phone selected, in 2014, we can talk a little bit about, about that. It's a series um, I did in 2013, and uh, it's called Roots. In Portuguese, it's called Raizes. Um, this was a title for me. It's very important when I title my work in which language I'm choosing to title. And this was a project that I chose to title in Portuguese. So the title was Raizes, which means Roots. Um, at that point, I was living abroad for 10 years. Um, I did, I, I did have the chance to over those, over this period to go back home and visit my family, but I never really produced any body of work in Brazil or especially in Rio, which is my hometown. And so I decided to, to take this time and, uh, I applied to a residency locally where it would allow me enough time to, to be there and think about that space. Um, so basically the project was, the pr proposal I did was uh, for me to photograph Rio uh, with my childhood memory. And so I went back to places I remember visiting in my childhood. So basically, when we were a child, we were closer, right, to adults. In my case, it was very much my parents and my grandmothers um, and my, my brothers and my cousins. So really tracing that, um, those spaces, you know. And um, 
And what was interesting for me is that I it led me to, of course, a lot to my one of my grandma's houses, and uh, and I started to photograph that. And um, and I don't photograph a lot indoors. Um, I work a lot more about the outdoors and landscape, but we can get into that in a little bit. So then as I did this project and I became intrigued how we perceive memory and how, you know, when we're a kid, you know, uh, we're much more logic on the way we see things and understanding that I think this uh, space between memory and imagination, it's very intertwined. It's very connected. It sort of sparked uh, a lot of ideas and interest in me to do other projects. So that's how I think um, the importance of phone and giving attention to this project at the time in 2014, it sort of um, assured me that I wasn't in a good route in a way. Not only I was excited in my own space, I saw other people excited about their body of work. So. Uh, for me, it was very important. Um, and also having the chance to go to Amsterdam and meet a lot of the creators in person and talking about the work and talking about other fellow talents of the year, that some of them, we still sort of, you know, we definitely follow each other's career until this point, but we also have some exchanges and see each other sometimes in group shows. Um, and it's so fascinating and see the connection also between all our works, you know, somehow, you know, there is always some point of um, interest or connection. Um, so, yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Nice. So you've yeah. created um, some sort of bond with uh, fellow talents as well. Yes. Nice. Yes. And definitely in terms of the work they do, I'm like, most fascinated. I think when we're so into uh, creating, right, a body of work, when you see someone bringing something that you think you can add to your understanding of photography, it's always exciting and uh, um, it, it sort of make you want to, you know, go deeper. And, and yeah, and that's something I have to say, uh, Fong really gave into my, my work because until then, I, I I had a lot of co-artists and fellow artists that I exchanged, but not really in the photography uh, field and let alone in the, how I like to say, like experimental photography or expansion of photography. So phone introduced me to the, that crowd, which I really like. Yes. Yeah. And uh, I was wondering as well. So basically you were selected as phone talent and you... Mm-hmm you brought to the table this project Haizis and after Haizis how did it how did it change how did your work change did you start working with different themes thematics materials uh, how did it come about so and then after i did this project Haizis um like I mentioned, uh, I became very much interested in the space of memory and imagination and how they're so related. So what I ended up doing, I almost like went back, like I went inwards and in a way looking back 
So I'm like, if I'm talking about memory, and that was the first time really like Haizis was the sort of the starting point of, of the sort of journey that my, my work and my process is still in. Um, so basically I was like, if I'm talking about memory, what are the traces of image that I have from this memory, right? Because photography, we talk about it's a document, it's a documentation of the past, it's documentation of something happened. The whole question between truth and not truth. And I'm talking about memory. And if I'm thinking now that memory is this imaginatory space, I'm breaking this idea of, or I am adding to the question of truthness. Um, so I started looking back to images I was photographing um, while I was visiting my family, which most of the time were pictures I was taking sort of in my time off, I wasn't really taking pictures, thinking about a project because until roots, even roots, like I was still thinking very much like a traditional photographer, like where I would plan a project ahead and then photograph for that. And not really thinking about my archive of images. So I just start like looking back into all my archive and things I have photographed before. And I start becoming very interested in images I photographed in Rio while visiting my family, not really being conscious of that photograph as a, as a piece of work or a final work, or even like something we consider, you know, with quality. And then really my, my involvement with foam and the talents really it opened my mind to think that photography is a way more than that. And and how we define the image we're using, it doesn't only falls into the technical aspect, you know? And so I started literally digging into my archive and then I started finding images I took 10, 20 years, now 20 years, at the time, 10 years ago, 10 years ago. And I started printing them. And so we have, so, I had some that were negative, 35 millimeter negatives, some that were taken with very low resolution uh, digital cameras back in the days. And also I started noticing that my eyes, when it wasn't really thinking um, technically, then my eyes were so free. And this freedom of my eyes and looking into, it always started with images that I was taking in Rio in my hometown because I went. So I start feeling like this sort of freedom in my own eyes and the beauty of simplicity. But at the same time that that was me, you know, that that's me. Like, that's how I see the world. And that's how, and that's how I think also at the time my work was sort of delving to things about identity. My work before Haizis was very much about displacement. I was talking a lot about displacement. And identity. So basically, we can understand that I was struggling with the feeling of not being part of places I was choosing to be, you know. And so it almost like when I start digging into those photos and understanding how my eyes were so free when I was looking back into my hometown, I was like, oh, I should explore that because maybe that is going to give me ground and understanding of places I am that's not here, you know, or it's going to also allow me to be closer to 
or look for this identity that I'm missing now, that I feel sort of lost in it. Um, so after Haizis, I started creating this long series of images called Nest. And I have to say that was the exchange point because on Nest, I start startling as Nino, which means Nest in Portuguese. But as I did the series, I start changing to Nest in English. This is a series, this is a body of work, just so we have an idea in terms of time that took, I, I, I did this body of work for almost three years. I started in 2014 and I created work until to late 2016. And in the end, there were 80 pieces. And also what's interesting about this work is thinking about dimension. Um, before, even for Haizis, dimension wasn't something that was really in my thought process. I mean, it was almost like if I was going more, more, um, um, more like abstract about it. You know, I was just feeling the photo and making decisions where Nest, I was more like conscious about my choice. So I printed, I'm going to say in inches now. I'm, I printed all of them in eight by 10 inches, which is, guys, I'm not going to be precise here, but it's something I think 10 inches is 20 centimeters, something like that. So it would be like something around 15, 16 by 20 centimeters. So they're fairly small, a little bit bigger, wider than our faces, you know, like it's just a little bit like that, a little bit bigger than our faces. Um, I like this I exercise, bigger yeah. than our faces. Yeah. Imagine. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, guys, maybe I'm completely wrong. So, uh, but, uh, but maybe it is, but it's small and it's intimate, right? So I consciously start thinking, yes, I want people to get closer to the work. Because of course, if you print bigger, you, we can perceive the image or the work from far. You can choose to come closer, but you really don't have to. But once you have something smaller, you know, there is this need to come closer to really see it. doesn't matter how good or bad your eyes are, but Indeed. you, know, you have that need, right? So there is this physical um, closeness to the work. And that's when I started thinking about that. And I wanted the sense of intimacy. I wanted the sense of physically the viewer getting closer, you know, to the work. And then next was all those images I started in finding in my archival, uh, my, my archive uh, hardware, hardware drives and negatives, um, where were the first images I found I've been taking from Rio. So all the images, almost like, I want to see what was I looking at, you know, what was, where I was going on this past 10 years when I was visiting the city, why I was choosing to take that. It was almost for me to understand that. And so not only for me, I had to be closer to the work in order to look, but also the viewer. And then the other factor that we've been seeing in my work from the, the series Haizis is that I paint and draw over the image. Right. So that deals a lot with the fact that um, the image now is not reproducible. Right. I'm creating this gesture, this hand mark that now it creates sort of a unique mark. And it's not even if I try to, every other mark is going to be similar, but not the same. So, so basically the first intention, it was to bring presence to the work. So 
when we talk about photography, we are talking about the past. How can I now say I am, this work has presence within the present moment kind of idea. And that started, and now we go all backwards, but that sort of came to me because since I'm a teenager, I've been, I've been fascinated with the work of neo concrete artists in Brazil in the six, 50s and 60s. Yeah, names um, like Ligia Clark and Elio Chisica, correct? Correct, yes. And, uh, and they, they have used geometrical lines and shapes in their works a lot of the times in, in performance, sculpture, installations. And Elio and Ligia as well, they did a series of drawings and paintings, but what really st struck uh, in the now concrete movement, it was really the installations, the performances, um, even Lija Papi using like the senses of the smell, uh, doing a lot of performance, uh, sort of dealing with that. So I first started to think about, oh, so I want to create presence in this work because I'm talking about the past and I'm bringing all these images from my memory, but I want to say it's alive now because this is helping me in the present time as I'm digging into understanding, you know, my identity through this memory that is, of course, ludic and it's not um, chronological or which reflects, right? So I started to input those lines and marks. Um, and, um, and through the lines and mark, of course, I became more interested in the lines and mark. And I became more interested in how that was not, you know, that the lines and mark weren't doing just, you know, they were way more than just bringing presence. And of course, as I continued to do, I became aware of it. So it was really a process of discovery within um, doing the work, but focusing a bit more on the nest series. So it was this small, small eight by 10 inches pieces where I was putting like small lines and dots um, to create this presence. And they were 80. And I was allowing myself to, even though sometimes I were creating other series on the side, that was always happening, you know, in the long term, because it was this important project for me, you know, personally, um, to experience the space and understand all that. Yes, brilliant. And I love, I love, um, yeah, I thought about many things while, while we were talking. Uh, one of them is that to me, it sounds like you're trying to bring some sort of embodiment to the work. So not only by the artist herself, but also from the viewer, from the person who is actually having an interaction to the artwork. We both need to get closer and get our bodies to move. It's not a passive action anymore, right? I think that yes. there's some, some sort of dance that you are creating through this movement. And I also hear a lot about playfulness. You're trying to steer away from academia, from notions of how a painting or a photograph needs to be, like the format, how it's got to be shaped, if it has to be on a flat surface. Do I hear it correctly? Do you think it's a good reading of your work? 
Yes, yes. So let me try to tackle both points you brought, because I think they're both good and relevant for us to continue, you know, this conversation about the work forward. Um, in terms of the, uh, the embodiment, I think it's a good point. And, and basically, uh, on Nest, when I mentioned and you understood that, that I became more aware of how the person was experienced the work, it was this Another thing that I added to my list of interests, because now I became interested in how people experience the work and how the work belongs to that space. And since then, I've, I've been producing a lot of body of works that more and more bring that into place, even in, in bigger ways. And I can sort of say maybe one or two examples here. Um, so... One of them is create installation that I paint not only in the image, but also on the wall. And so the understanding of the photograph relies on the understanding of the wall and also that space. I really like to think about, I love when someone invite me for a show, if not only solo shows, but group shows where they allow me to at least see floor plans and think about the work in that space. And, and I love that. I love to know which artists they're thinking to put you know, around me. And I really integrate that. I love this idea of collaboration integration. Um, I think it's really part of art now and even for us, right? Um, so the work not only, and I talk a little bit about this, it's like how the work doesn't fall into only belonging into that space. It's if it's a frame, if it's a mounting piece, the work it can belong to a much bigger um, um, space or environment. Um, so I love to think about that. And it's sometimes for like, oh, this is tricky. I'm like, no, 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 don't think about tricky. This is interesting. Give me the space. You know, I love that kind of stuff. Like, no, nothing's tricky. It's interesting. And yes, the work doesn't need to be shown the traditional way that we always expect to see. And I think that's the fun of it. And for me, it's just another opportunity when I get this kind of projects or opportunities to grow my work because I learn with that, right? And and I and over the years I allow my work to be experimental. And that's the freedom I I, I I'm so thankful for, you know. And then one example, um another example was a solo show I did. It was a solo project, it was just a, a room in Sao Paulo in 2018, where just like um so Alitsika has this body of work. It's called Parangolé. So they were very vertical uh, sort of dresses, not really dresses. They're very simple, minimal. It's with a rectangle with the space for your arms and your head. One color for each of them. They would be in the wall and people could uh, um, wear, choose to wear them. And he would say, yeah, this is only a piece of art if someone is in it. If it's not, it a, doesn't exist. So I did this installation that if let's try to use our imaginations here, it was like I hanged them all from the ceiling. They're all hanging from the ceiling. There were a strip of vertical fabrics, two colors. One was a Bordeaux magenta-ish, and one was a, like a, a blue, a Klein blue um, fabric. And you go through these fabrics, and sometimes next to the fabric would be a strip. And they're all like a life size, right? So the size of this room, because they're hanging from the wall all the way to the ceiling. 
and you will have strips of, frag of fragments of a photograph of, um, of an island in Rio that's very known, that's very, that you see for most part of the city, it's called Cagarras. And, um, and so they were just fragments of those strips. And this paper that I chose to print, they are, they are, they are known to be, it's the same type of paper that you print like Lumbi Lumbi. It's like when artists on the streets, they, or even brands now, they want to advertise on the streets and you glue it. So it's very thin paper. Yeah, so like usually, butter paper. A little bit butter like paper. butter paper. Yeah. Yeah, they wrinkle easy. They're very thin. Yeah. They're meant to be glued on the, on the street walls and stuff. Um, I use them quite a bit when I do outdoor stuff. And I decided to do this there. And basically what I was doing is that, of course, I'm in, in Sao Paulo, in Brazil. It was the end of summer towards spring. And it's humid. It's very humid. Um, and uh, the paper over the time of the exhibition would start wrinkling and doing shapes that would be beyond my control. So that's one thing. And then the other thing, as you walk through the space, they, you had to touch the fabric and those strips of paper in order to pass through. There's no way you could have, I mean, you could have done it if you really went sideways, but I think people understood. The whole thing is that the thing will all move because this paper is thin as you move your body towards the end where the full image would be revealed, which would be this full image of this Cagarras Island seen from the city. So the view, Beautiful. the photo was yeah. taken from the city, seeing Kalash. So what over there is really what I think you brought it up in terms of embodiment. Uh, it's really, it's a photo work, but you really, the viewer is really, he has to use the body and touch the work and touch stuff in order to pass and see the actual. Yes, it's an active role. And you choose, right? You choose sometimes not to go through, to go through, to go halfway, not go. So in the end, you see how you choose to see. And, um, and so those references of the fabric really came from this Parangola piece. And, you know, you're not wearing it, but it's vertical. It is, you're touching it. And it really, you activate the piece as the piece moves and you move in it. Yes. I really love hearing you talk about uh, Ochisica and the Parangolés because it reminds me a lot of uh, the tropicalist uh, movement, yeah. Tropicalia. And um, that's something that is inherently Brazilian. So yeah. it's one of our cultural heritage yeah. monuments, yeah. right? And I'm thinking now as well about something that binds us together, you and I, the fact that we are both living overseas, that we are both Brazilians living yeah. in different countries other than the one we were born in. You are based in the United States. Talking particularly about my experience abroad, I feel that only when I left the country, I really became Brazilian. That's when I really started appreciating everything about Brazil. So the, the, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, and I, I wanted to, to hear from you if you also have some sort of comparable concept of what Brazil entails now that you are living abroad for so long. If I'm, I'm not mistaken, you've been out the country since you were 18. 
Yes, and yes, how, yes. how does it work? Because it, it, I, I think it also translates in your work. When I see your work, there's all these beautiful landscapes, especially from Rio. And I wanted to understand a little bit of uh, Brazil and Rio's role in your work. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, it's a great question. And I think it's very much within my work. And, um, and it's true. I think a lot of us, there are immigrants. Um, and we choose, and I like to say immigrants, we choose to live somewhere um, else. Uh, I think for sure uh, there are moments of like this, this feeling of displacement. And like you said, I think, and then eventually the, once we start understanding or, or we start to bring all those uh, things that we have from back home, right? Uh, it really grow on us and it really becomes a, a purpose, like almost like a need in order to be able to understand ourselves in this other space. Um, so yeah, it, it heightens on uh, who we are and, um, and also our need to sort of express that, right? To express the culture where we come from. I totally agree. And, um, and my work was a bit about that, I think. And again, and I think that helped me. I mean, they helped me so much because the moment, and again, it started sort of in this project, Haiz's Roots, when I also allowed myself to be there for a longer period of time and do this project and then going to NAST, to this other project, and then going, going. And then true, I understood that doing all this, that I was doing something that was me, you know, more and more, I the work was representing the way I see the world and 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 the way I am. And I thought that, that that's the most beautiful and unique thing when artists can really share this with the world you know because um it's what we have of unique and it's nothing like complicated it's just who we are and i think you know me a little bit aside of um right my work and you know i mean i think i love when people say i you are your work you know kind of thing and i'm like yes that that's the point because is <laughs> the happiness in the process really it's, it's what i can bring it's like and i think i truly think my work that helped me see that you know the intertwine goes there too is that i didn't see this alone and it's really me I'm trying to understand my work and what I was doing made me see that what I could like the beauty would be to bring who I am to my work, but how it's a long, how and a long process that's still happening. And um, so, yes, it's a, it's a now concrete art movement that I've been a, a fan and, uh, and what, what really made me dream of being an artist when I was a kid, you know, I have a relationship with art it's hard to explain, but since I'm a teenager, since I'm a kid teenager, I've always been interested in abstract or geometrical stuff. And I started digging on my own in Rio. Um, at the time, uh, in the early 90s, there was very little of access to art, especially when you're a teenager. There's more when you are in your 20s and young adult ages. And I just started digging, you know, and then trying to understand and asking questions. A lot of questions that my parents didn't know how to answer. But... Uh, but they encouraged me too, you know, when I went to Parque School of Art in Rio, that's sort of known locally. But I was the youngest. Of, uh, people were almost asking, what are you doing here? I'm like, I don't know. I'm just trying to understand and ask questions. So all that, you know, so I now sort of going back to your question. <laughs> um, but, but really bringing that, that spontaneity, 
you know, that uh, sense of experimentation. The curiosity. Curiosity and question. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I always had difficulty with my work before when I had to conclude something. And I realized my work wasn't about conclusion. My work was about opening doors and questions. And that sort of free me because, and there's so much there, right? There's so much. And, and, and it's so good when, and I think I also see the relationship that people have with my work where they feel comfortable in asking the question or they feel comfortable in adding to the work. And I like that. I mean, I, I love that. Um, and also, I think a bit about uh, our culture and our background. I think Brazil is, at least for me, at least what it became very clear for me over the years that Brazil is a country of uh, relationships. It's relationship. We grew up with relationship. Um, I guess, I mean, this is my take on it. I guess it's because um, at least I was born in the 80s, I grew up in the 90s there, early 2000s. There's so much we could rely on in terms of politicians, government, and regulations, even the law. That what you rely on is relationship. Otherwise, you frustrate yourself until the end and nothing gets done, you know. And and I think why Brazilians are so, we're so, um, in general speaking, <laughs> but uh, I think we're so welcoming, you know, we're so, uh, we have this first, you know, thing that uh, we have this tendency of being welcome, you know, we have this tendency of being open. Um, of course, a lot of things happen down the line that change us, but uh, I think that's definitely something I notice on me. And, and, and you know, I, I always, it's natural. I don't know. It's, it's, but I think it's because when I go back, you know, that's what it's when I go back to my memory, my happy moments are relationships, you know. Wow. Yeah, no, I, yeah. I completely agree with you. I, I totally identify as well. Sometimes I try to be a little bit tougher, but it's just <laughs> not in my yeah. blood, I guess. <laughs> yeah. so and we learn be... the other way around, I think. We learn as like, well, as well. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. No, but I, I, I'm, I'm, I want to connect this to the projects that you choose as well. Uh, I think it's interesting to talk about the different projects that you you decide to take part in. Uh, for mm -hmm. instance, you've worked with LP artworks from Music from Memory, uh, the Old Tempo compilations, um, which mm -hmm. I proudly have at home. <laughs> and nice. you also, I like that. Yes, and mo most recently you've been working as well with uh, clothing lines, and I would like to hear... How, how do you choose those, those projects? Uh, you're wearing one of them, by the yeah, way. I'm yeah, I'm wearing one now. It's coincidental, <laughs> though, but yes, I'm wearing one now. Yes, yes. Yeah, so I want yeah. to know how does it go from photography to everything else that is possible with yeah. your work? Yeah, so uh, I love collaboration. I mean, as I said, as, you, as I mentioned, I'm always, I mean, it's about the space. It's about the overall thing. Um Ultra Tempo is a great, uh, I think, uh, project that you pick for us to talk about. I'm happy you picked that uh, for multiple reasons. Um, and also, I want to mention that I know you brought it up. The, you wanted me to talk a bit about the playfulness in my work. I sort of didn't directly point it out to it, but I, I hope that everything I'm saying, it can show you that's true. My work is very playful. And Absolutely, actually, yeah. Yeah, 
I, I had a book published in 2019 when Harry and I met that it's called Playground. So, I mean, I do, I, I that's something very much uh, present in my work and I, and I like to think my work like so. And, uh, and now let's talk about Ultra Temple and maybe I can bring this up a bit more, the playful factor. So Ultra Temple, it's a compilation that was created by John Gomez. He is a Spanish um, uh, producer, music producer, DJ, uh, but he's based in the UK. Uh, so I believe he's um, English, Spanish, but I know he's Spanish. Um, um, and it was fascinating. It was a fascinating project. And I always like to give props to John, John Gomez, for sure. It was his vision. Uh, he contacted me. Uh, saying, Alice, I'm working in this compilation. I would love for you to do the art. At that point, I I wasn't doing a lot of collaborations outside of the fine art world, you know, the the material world, you know, like n- not with music, not with fashion, not, it was really within the fine art world. And I'm like, I'm like, I, I didn't really, to be honest, I mean, I can tell I wasn't really getting it, but I'm like, I like that. I don't know how I will help this guy. I'm like, I like him. Like, he's great. Like, and then, and then I'm like, and then it's as we started working and exchanging and stuff. And I thought, how oh, fantastic. Because also those things make you understand you and your work and how people perceive your work. And that's very interesting too. So he started explaining to me how he thought about me. First of all, I'm like, how in the world you found me? And then second, how you think you were connected? But not, I didn't have to ask him direct like this. It really was coming. And we, and I got to understand. And, and he's like, yeah, you know, this compilation is about mu- experimental music in Brazil that was sort of um, in the, the background for, for these years because of yeah, different overlooked. reasons. Yeah. Overlooked, yes. Overlooked. Overheard. But- <laughs> overheard and but he saw the he's he's he made the right this they put this group of image uh, music together and he saw the potential on it and he's like no but i think it's so contemporary so fresh and i think your work portrays brazil so well and it brings this element of experimentation and i'm like i'm like whoa i was like wow fantastic he saw that in my work so that got me excited Cause I'm like, yeah, it's really about that. And so when he started, because in the beginning he wouldn't have sent me music, right? Because he was still editing and producing, getting all the permissions. So he's like, look, I want to know if you're in. And then eventually when I get all to that stage, I can start sending the music. I'm like, yes, of course. And I told him, yes, I definitely want to hear the music. You know, I need to hear the music because then we really create together. So as he was able to start to approve everything and everybody involved gave him the permission, he started sending me the music. So I didn't listen to all the music at the same time. You know, you need to understand, like, I was listening to uh, one track here, another track there. Sometimes they had to adjust something and then he'll send me back. So it almost like, you know, that process, you know, the process of creating a work, you know, so we started to both be part of the process. So I told him, look, so... As you also in your process, you know, of creating the music and we really the space is this experimentation space. Let me start working on the pieces as I receive those musics, you know, and things will change along the way. So that's how we collaborated. So we were both like 
give me this, I give you that. And things were sort of building up as the musics were getting ready and being approved and stuff. And more I listen to the music, I'm like, look, if I could choose a, a soundtrack to my work, that's definitely it, you know. And But props to him. I mean, really props to him. He had the vision. John had the vision. John uh, invited me. He was the leader of the project, you know, and um, and he taught me a lot. I, I think I mentioned this to him a few times, but not as much. And that's something every opportunity I have to talk about this project, I like to talk about him because he taught me a lot. And after this, I started doing a lot of other collaboration projects. Um, some that I invited people to do with me, some that I was invited. And uh, again, it was another experience that helped me understand the the richness of working together and collaborating. Yes, yes, absolutely. And digging into spaces that you were not necessarily super knowledgeable. You know, music, I love music, yeah. but uh, to be honest, I don't play one instrument. It's one thing I'm not very good at, <laughs> you know. But nevertheless, you know, how much we learn, how much music is important for our lives, you know. And, yes. Yeah. No, and I love, I really love what you were saying because it's, it's, it, uh, I think it not only, it's not only important the fact that you are collaborating and exchanging experiences, but also having a partner that allows you to, to be yourself, to work with this fluidity that you've got in your yeah. work. I think this is extremely interesting. There's not a person that is uh, canceling you in some shape or form. It's actually enabling yeah. you to do greater things. And that's really yeah. beautiful. I love I love that you shared this story about Ultratemp with us. Yeah. And I'm still curious uh, okay. about Rio. I want to okay, know yes. the 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 Rio the the images of Rio in your work. Where does it come from? So basically when I start looking back into those images, I first chose, um, and in the beginning, I would choose a lot to photograph them, for, like on the Nest series, black and white. Uh, but then I realized I had tons of archive from the city, you know, uh, tons of archive. And, and, and then what I did also after that, I just continued to photograph. And I, I always, every time I go to Rio, I continue to photograph because sort of going to the conversation in terms of identity, of course, Rio is where I was born and raised. And so that's where I thought my identity was. And that's where, you know, my deepest memories are. So I, Rio for me is this point where my work departed, but it doesn't stop there. You know, so Rio, it's always, again, Rio, it's always, I, I'm always doing some sort of work and project using Rio because there's always another question. So Rio as a space, it's always sort of part of one of my bodies of work. I do bodies of work that has nothing to do with Rio, but almost like if Rio is this departing point, even when I'm, I photograph, I go to my archives of other places, for sure there is a relation, there is um, almost like this sort of connection relationship from what I'm doing with Rio and what is Rio for me, because Rio is almost the space where I'm always digging into this emotional memory space and this identity, you know, and everything, you know, like us, as we grow older, we always discover something new about us. You know, it's almost I'm digging real to discover something new about myself and the city as we both change, you know, and we both mutate and we both develop. 
Um, so it's sort of that connection that I created with Rio and my work process, you know, it's sort of the, the bone, the main bone, the spine of it. Um, and again, we talked about the work has so much to question and I like to question. So it's in that route. So now, um, talk and again, just to be sort of giving a bit more technical info is that my work involves digital cameras and also analog cameras. So I, I do with, um, files, there are analog files, like 30 films, 35 millimeter films, most of the time, some large format, but not that much, um, not so much medium format and digital cameras and the digital cameras, they changed over the years. And there is a lot of, that I can sort of say in terms of the equipment, because I sort of, I play with in my work, but for now, the, the, my most recent series that I'm doing with Rio, it's called Fragmented Frames. And I started last year and I'm continuing to do this year. This work is 20 by there. Again, they go back to, they're all the same size. They are 18 by 20. Actually, they're 20 by 18. They're vertical. So in, in centimeters, they're 50 centimeters by 45 centimeters. And so here, what I'm doing is basically, I am trying to, I am curious to do this chronological sort of specimen. I don't know how to say, but like almost this chronological story of me with using images of Rio. So it's almost like if I'm giving you my chronological story with that space. However, the idea as the name already given to us, fragmented frames, is that everything is fragmented because again, I'm trying to emphasize again, the idea that memory is emotional and not chronological and how we perceive things, it differentiates if I'm in the same situation with Harry, I can perceive in a one way, he can perceive in another way. He can remember that moment in one way, I can remember in another way. So I'm trying to delve on that, really focus on Rio, this place where I try to, it's my bone, it's my spine. But in the end, the chronological aspect is lost through my connection with that space. So this is gonna be a long series and it's gonna be shown in big grids. And the intention is that the work sort of goes into it, into the world, you know, in partners. Like at least it doesn't need to be the full grid, but like if the work goes at least in couples. So the sense that we also, I think even after COVID we understood again, it's relationship, you know? So one work is never alone. So there is always a group, there is always another work that's on the side. So that's sort of the idea that when the grid loses its chronological purpose, it has the purpose of the group and of being there together, you know? And what's happened with my work that I'm noticing is sort of exciting for me, and I'm seeing more is that my negatives, especially with the negatives, some digital files, I had some things that change as well, but the negatives, I have, I am now seeing more and more distortion with color or with stain because I neglected the way I store them, you know, and I'm sort of excited about that. 
because it's sort of, again, I'm one of those artists that like when things sort of move away from my own control and my own choice. So the surprise factor. So I'm understanding that time in my work is becoming more present, you know? So that time, it's organic. That when that time really exists, it comes to the work, you know? In ways that I don't control, some of the, actually, I have one on my back. I know you guys cannot see, but it's part of the series. You can see that the image, the negative, I mean, the color, it's, it's already changed a bit. We can see the sense of, you know, past. And so I like that, you know, I, time, so time onto time onto the paper, right? It's, it's yeah. taking its own process on its own and you just there. Yeah watching it i really exactly. I, I really love and what you're yeah because the playfulness in your work is not only onto the images but it's also onto the process in itself yeah, you, yeah. You, it sounds to me that you are playing with concepts you are you are yes. not trying to follow a very academic process in which there's a beginning and end. Yeah. it's more fluid and th that sounds um incredible um, yeah, yeah, and and if I can just finish also uh, about collaborations I do together, and it's one thing I hear quite often, um, and that's just like who I am, and again it goes along into this process and to my process of understanding my work and doing my work. Um, when I'm in a collaboration, you know, um, just like my work, I gave the example of my work. I see that the work is gaining time and it's deteriorating, and I like that. I don't fight against those things, you know. And I think that's something I learned, again, doing my work. And as you brought it up, the whole thing of our identity that and our experience as foreigners in another space as immigrants, how I also learned with that experience, the importance of us accepting things and not fighting against it. You know, I am this, but I don't need to fight against this. I just need how can I contribute to the space as being this, you know, kind of thing. And that's... Um, that's a, a learning that's a learning curve you know and in my collaboration process it's the same i love to give voice to the person i'm choosing to collaborate with you know so i don't fight until the to get the thing oh it's not exactly how i imagine no it's not because it's not just me doing the work so i think the beauty of really allowing things to to be you know so i think that's something i learn and i like to share that Thank you for listening to this episode of Foam Talks. Please check our social media channels for the upcoming releases. The current issue of Foam Magazine is available at some of the best bookshops around the globe and of course online in our webshop. Thank you so much for supporting us. Until next time, viva!